Welcome to Zimmerman Podcast, episode 64. Today, I'm sitting down with Kelsey Murphy, online coach, podcaster, and mom. Kelsey has been a coach for Marie Forleo's B-School, has spoken to corporations like Twitter, and is passionate about helping women create businesses that support the lives they want to live. Kelsey has so much incredible wisdom to share today. We talk about how life comes in seasons, how success looks different in each phase of motherhood and business ownership, and how we can constantly be open to reevaluation and growth in life. If you're looking for practical tips on how to connect with your heroes without seeming slimy, how to identify a North Star, person you want to emulate in life and business, or how to show up as yourself in your online space, then you can't miss this episode. There are so many incredible takeaways from today's conversation. I don't want to waste another second. All right, you ready? Let's do it. Welcome to the Zimmerman Podcast with your host, CEO, wedding professional, educator, and mom, Jessica Zimmerman. In just two years, Jessica went from facing bankruptcy to taking home a six-figure salary. She turned a business-saving $100,000 loan into a million-dollar empire. As a creative entrepreneur, a healthy work-life balance seems just as unattainable as a six-figure income. But Jessica Zimmerman is here to show you it's possible. With the right tools and insider tips and some hard work, your craziest dreams can become your daily routine. If you set some boundaries and commit to healthy changes, you can create a business and a life you love. So let's make your business work for you. Kelsey, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I'm so excited to sit down with you today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's it's an absolute honor to be here. This is going to be fun. Okay, so for anyone in the Zimmerman podcast audience who doesn't know who you are, can you tell us about you, your business, and what life looks like these days? Yes. Oh, man, life is bananas. It's absolutely bananas these days. But uh, my name is Kelsey Murphy. I'm a business and life coach. Uh, My background is actually in advertising. I used to be the director for Nintendo and Elizabeth Arden and GoPro. And then I transitioned over into helping people create these small businesses that allowed them to have the lifestyle that they wanted and also a very successful career. So for example, I had a really hard time in the corporate world because I always wanted to kind of be a part-time stay-at-home mom. Like I loved ironing my husband's shirts and like having dinner on the table and all these things that that seem very like non-feminist. And then you have this complete other side of me that is an absolute rebel and feminist and likes to have my own career and likes to be able to go away for girls weekends and like sip a glass of champagne. And I was trying to find a way to meld those two worlds. Like how could I be home all the time and also go to my kids' field trips all the time and be there for them for a drop-off and pick-up? And what does that kind of a job and world look like? And also, how can I find something that allows me to do that while also like loving it and feeling like I am actually passionate about my job? And so I went on this entire self-exploration journey and uh, stumbled upon the online business world, specifically coaching for me, um, which is really where I started doing a lot of life coaching and helping people make job transitions. And it's very like human psychology based, right? And then started to learn how to build my own business doing that, started to connect with people like Marie Forleo out there and uh, started collaborating with her really. So so she's got this big B-school program that 
teaches women how to start online businesses right out of their home, you know, in their pajamas, on their couch. And I was able and so lucky enough to work with her and help her B-schoolers to create that. So I really started to develop this niche in, in helping women to look at the lifestyle that they wanted while also building a business, still being a mom, create this this multifaceted kind of this, this beautiful life. And that for me was what I fell in love with, what I became so passionate about. And and that's what I do now. And and now, like fast forward, I'm it's it's crazy. I'm so lucky enough to have been able to speak at places like Facebook and Twitter and and be featured in a bunch of online pubs and work with these incredible people like Marie and a couple other celebrities and these beautiful, wonderful clients. And if you really want to know what life looks like right now in this very moment, I am hunched in my closet <laughs> recording this podcast because it's crazy um, in our little quarantined life because my husband is downstairs with my two kiddos. I have a three-month-old, a newborn, and a three-and-a-half-year-old just probably just running circles around uh, my poor husband down there. Um, and it's crazy. It's been a really interesting transition because I always built my life in a way where I could be with my kids 110% and very present and focused. And then I can be with my work very present and focused 110%. And now in this new quarantined life, while there's all these beautiful pros to it, because I love hanging out with my husband and I love being able to just sit and be at home with my newborn and kind of breastfeed and do all that kind of stuff. Um, it's so cool. There's also the flip side of like me trying to navigate this schedule in this world so that I could be really beautifully present with my clients and with my work and my own podcast that I do, but also be very present as a mom. So that's why I kick this off by saying like life is a bit bananas right now, but um, it is, it's really cool in the fact that I am in a, in a business and in an industry that is, that is doing really well in this world of quarantine because it's, it's built for that. It's built to teach people how to thrive and be independent and create these, you know, financially free businesses that they can accelerate or hit pause on whenever they need to. Oh, Kelsey, you and I are like kindred spirits. We're going to get along. <laughs> Everything that's come out of your mouth, I'm like, mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I've said it, I feel it, I get it. Let me tell you what you said that made me, though, take pause is the fact that you have a three-month-old because my daughter will turn seven this summer Aww. and my twin boys will turn five this summer. And my boys have just gotten to the point lately. I feel like just, gosh, over the past couple months where there's no longer any more like toddler fat on them. You know, they just, mm -hmm. uh, they're just like skinny legs and skinny arms and they just look like boys and not like baby boys. And I just, oh my gosh, just a baby. I find myself smelling them all the time, my, my, <laughs> my boys, because I'm like, I know the baby smell is gone, but the little boy smells about to be gone. And, and I just, oh man. So the fact that you have a three month old, I'm so envious. And I just, oh yeah. I, what a gift though, really. We're recording this in the middle of quarantine. I don't know when this will air. It'll probably be, you know, a few months later because that's basically what I've been doing in quarantine is just batch recording. Um, you know, I'm just like, that's what I can do right now. So let me do it. But what a gift really to just be able to just be with you and your family, especially that little baby and just soak it up and not have anywhere 
you know, that you have to go and, and be and do. Oh, what a gift. I love that. Yeah, it is. I, I feel lucky. And and it's pros and cons, right? Like it's, it's so beautiful and such a gift. And, and I tell people, especially because I have a three month old, you'd think it would be really, really tough. And it is. But at the same time, if you think about it, at least with my first one, when I had that baby, I loved being with her. I loved the newborn phase. But then after a while, as kind of a, a business owner, I, I was like, man, I'm, I'm ready to get back into it. Like, man, let's go, go, go. And I wanted to, you know, jump back into it. And then that phase was over. Right. And then I blinked and it was gone. And I was like, oh, wow, Kels, like that was fast. And so now um, I'm forced to kind of be home with her. And it is so cool. It is so amazing to not feel like I have to kind of keep up with the Joneses and look around me and be like, ah, but I want to be out there with you, but I want to be doing this. It's like, nope, we're all slow in our roll here, folks. Like we are all, we are all taking pause to figure out what's next. And the beauty is that I am doing that when I have a newborn. So it's, it's really, really cool for me. And gosh, I love what you just said there about, you know, I had this baby, but then I also wanted to get back to work because I I think that that's hard for a lot of women to admit out loud, even though they do. I, I know I certainly did. I couldn't wait to get back to work. I loved my baby, but I couldn't wait to get back to work because I also really, you know, thrive um, when I work and I get a lot from my work. And, you know, I, I recently wrote and published a book called Sleeping with a Stranger. And I describe in there a summer that I stayed home with my kids and how at the end of the summer, I just was like, I miss my work. This isn't for me just to like be at home with my kids and not have work. And somebody actually asked me recently, like, what are you going to do when your kids read that one day? And I said, I, I hope they do read it one day. And my responsibility as their mom is to be my truest self always and to be the most honest version of myself. And by the way, what if my daughter one day feels the same way? And I've given her a false example of, you know, my true self. Like, I don't want her to think that. I want her to know that it's okay. You can do both. And we can give ourselves a lot of grace and go, yeah, that did go by fast and they did grow up fast, but I also was true to myself and I, I spent as much time with them as I could. And I also got my work done. So I get it. I love that so much. I, and I also love that we have to recognize like this it comes in seasons, right? Like there are going to be times where you want to work more and there's going to be times where you want to be with your kids more. And I feel like there's so much pressure for us to be like, this is who we are like now and forever more. <laughs> it's like, or this is what our passion is now and forever more. Or this is my one business model now and forever more. And the reality is, is that's just not how life works. Like when you're a mom and you have a newborn, the things that you care about, the way that you want your life to operate, the things that you want to spend your time on, the things that you're Googling late at night, that's very different than when maybe you're single, you know, and and don't have any of those responsibilities or when your kids are in school and you have more time during the day, but you are more worried about different things of them, like getting bullied, you know, like things like that versus, you know, how you're going to breastfeed and why your nipples feel like they're going to fall off, you know, like there's, there's such different things in different seasons. And I think what I love that you're talking about that you have in that book is so beautiful because you're opening that conversation to be like, this is how I felt 
that summer with that experience. And if you ask me 10 years from now, how I feel, it may change. It may be very different. And I I want us to all own that. I feel like that's so important for us not to feel like we're pigeonholed if we choose and we really own how we feel right now. It's just, I think, raising our hand and saying, this is how I feel right now. I want to be open and confident and clear about that. And I also want to be open and confident and clear that that may change in six months, that that may change in 12 months. And I will reevaluate and visit then, you know? Right. And you may have a life experience that changes how you feel about things. Or I mean, sweet, listen, as a human being, being, we're going to grow, hopefully, and evolve. And, you know, we're going to grow and evolve at different rates. I mean, that's why, you know, marriage can be so hard and partnership can be so hard is that we don't grow and evolve at the same rate. But if we can be true to ourselves throughout the process, then that is the best thing that we can do, not only for ourselves, but I believe as a mom too, to show our kids, like, it's okay to change your mind. Listen, I have fully embraced the fact that I am a multi-hyphenate. Like, there is not one thing that I do. There is not one career that I have. Like, it, it, you know, the list goes on and on. Where that used to really be seen as a negative, you know? I mean, the shorter your title was, the more important you were. Man, my title is a million years long. So people who believe that probably don't think I, I'm doing too well, but it's okay. Okay, so you've worked with some amazing people. You mentioned Marie. Did those connections come early on in your business or was that part of your long game business plan? And can you tell us who else you've worked with? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's such a great question. So yeah, people like Marie, that was kind of part of my long game like vision. And I feel like it's always so important for us to see and like notice people out there that are living a life and a business that we really love and want to emulate. And I feel like it's our job to search those people out and to kind of like poke holes in their story and really get to know them. You know, like I remember in the very very beginning. Um, Marie was one of the very first people that I followed to learn about online business, right? I mean, she's got like 55 million YouTube you know, hits. I mean, it's it's crazy. So I remember watching a lot of her videos and reading a couple of her early, you know, publishings and her early book and just being like, ah, something about me, it feels right with this chick. Like something feels spot on for me, but I'm going to keep on searching and I'm going to poke holes in it because everyone can look good on the internet, right? Like anyone can have a really nice Instagram account. Like I've seen what, what Photoshop can do, you know? So I would poke holes in kind of her story. And by poke holes, I mean, I would research her. I would be like, let me see you when you first started your business versus what your fancy YouTube videos look like now. Like, what was it like, like vintage Marie, right? And then I would, I would search her circle out, right? Like I would look at the people that she was connected with, like Danielle Laporte and Gabby Bernstein and Chris Carr. And um, for me, it was really an exploration of seeing not only who was operating a business that I wanted to emulate and learn about, but who was operating a life that I wanted to emulate and learn about. And for me, I've always recognized that I'm a learner, that I like to have people in my life that I can look up to, like even people that just like talk to their spouse really kindly, right? Or have this great relationship or really good runners, you know, like, and I want to be a better runner. Like, it's so important for me to have those people that I can look up to. And so 
I always call them mini mentors. I have these little mini mentors in my life. And so Marie was one of those people that every time I tried to poke a hole in her story, I just, I just loved it even more. I fell in love with the way that she talked to her partner, the way she talked to her stepson, like the way she, she organized her business and life and this separation and this, this kind of sprint mentality and this batching mentality. And so I really started to appreciate what she was doing. So I didn't like reach out or say, hey, 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 I need to be in your life or go after her hardcore because I'm not much of like a salesperson. I don't have that thick of a skin, I'm a little bit more of like a quiet introvert that likes to kind of chill on the sidelines a bit. But what I did do with her and a lot of other people that I loved um, their personal and business life is I followed them and I supported them and I made sure I shared their work with people. And throughout that process, I had shared Marie's work with a friend of mine. And as that friend, you know, got job after job, and she went through a couple different jobs for a few years, she became an editor at a really high-end magazine. And they started a podcast, and they wanted to do something on a bunch of different incredible women. And we were just chatting one day, and I was like, hey, you should check out Marie Forleo. And so she did. And fell in love with Marie, of course. And then she ended up recording with Marie. Marie was coming into the office to grab coffee. She invited me to come. I must have sat with Marie for like 2.5 seconds. Like we had like the quickest coffee you could possibly imagine. And I was basically just like, hey, I have nothing else to say other than it's great to meet you. And I love what you're doing out in the world. And she was like, great, let's stay in touch. Throughout that, then she started, I think, to watch my business and uh, just kind of take note of what I was doing and my opinion and the things that I was doing out in the world. And about a year or so later, she reached out and was like, hey, love what you're doing. Let's go deeper. I would love for you to come help out. And you, I would love for you to come teach and coach some of my B-schoolers and the people that are starting their business. And from then, our relationship just grew deeper and deeper, and we connected and became good friends. But it was one of those things where I, I never was like, oh, like, this is my goal. I'm just going to like reach out to her and make this happen. It started with, hey, I want to be following people and learning about the business and the lives of these people so that I know it's true. I know you can actually do it. I always need proof. I really need living proof out there that you could have a business if you wanted that would make a lot of income, but maybe allow you to work part-time hours and be there for your kids. Like I needed the proof that that was possible. And she was building a system that allowed that. And then once I got to know her personally, I was like, oh, and you're this incredible human and you treat your team so amazing. And since then, I've got to be on the inside of her business, which is really fun. And I always laugh because I'm like, I see, I see when things go sideways in there. <laughs> like I see when, when there's big mistakes happening or, 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 you know, behind the scenes stuff and the way she handles that with her team and with people that are in the program is amazing. It is so inspiring for me to watch. And, and I work with some incredible humans that have seven, eight figure businesses, like that are out there in the world doing crazy, crazy things. And I still continue to watch. Marie and learn and be inspired from her every single day. And for me, I feel like you've got to have those people in your life. And eventually you're going to outgrow some of them, you know, as you grow up in your business. But I don't know that I'll ever outgrow that with Marie because I appreciate her as a human and the way she prioritizes her employees and the love for them and the affirmations for them. Like it's, it's, pretty amazing to watch. So, so that, that kind of started from the beginning, I would say, but then it was kind of a long-term relationship that didn't really come to fruition until later on. 
Wow, that's incredible. And I love what you say about just wanting to follow someone that inspires you. I've talked about this before, but I was speaking at a retreat one time where we were we were all in a circle and there was someone else speaking at the moment, but she said, write down three names of people you envy. And envy is in this way is not it's not in a jealous way. You don't you don't you don't think of this person and then think poorly of yourself or you don't you know, want harm for this person, or you're not like, why do they have this? And I don't, it's none of that. It's just, who can you think of that life is something that you really admire and respect? And anyway, I wrote down these three names, which actually ended up being three couples. And I started writing down what I envied about them. And it was all the same. And I thought that was so interesting because when I first wrote down the names, I didn't, necessarily think that. And then as I started doing the exercise, I was like, wow. And that was part of the exercise was when you think about three people you envy, really, there's just these characteristics or these things that you envy that what that really is, is it's like a true north for you. That's what you are supposed to be chasing. That's what you're supposed to be, you know, going after this, this desire that we have for certain things, whether, whether someone is envious of someone because they have their own business or because they have children or because they have a great marriage or because they're debt free or whatever it might be. These are the things that are on our mind because those desires were placed in us for a reason. That's our north. That's our true, you know, our true north, our compass. And I think that that kind of just really falls in line with what you were saying. Oh, I love that so much. And I love that they were couples because I feel like you're genuinely looking at this from like a holistic point of view. And gosh, that that's so funny. It, that triggers so much for me because before I even started my business and before I did this, I, I think I internally did the same thing. I remember when I was single and thinking about like, who is that person you want to be with and going through kind of a myriad of, of not great relationships. And I looked at couples that were older, like my parents' friends, right? And I would look at those couples and be like, who has a marriage that you just love, that you just think that is, that's it right there. And I recognized for a long time, there was not very many people that I saw like that. And I think I internalized it as it's not possible. Like it's not possible. And I think a lot of people do that for work and business too, right? Like they want this life and they look out there and they say, oh, like it's not possible to be able to stay home with your kids and have this online business, or I'm, I can't do that. Or where I feel like if we take a step back and we really, really think about it, there are probably a few people. And when I pushed myself when I was single, I all of a sudden could name like two of my parents' couples. And they happened to be very good friends of mine. And and their parents had these relationships where they were so kind, but so fun. And they were both independent. And they were like, like, you're saying that these characteristics that create a true north. And when I saw that, it became so much more clear to me what I wanted in a partner. And I ended up getting together with my husband and we were engaged six months later after, after connecting. And it, I think it was because I was so clear then on what I really wanted. And I think that when we get really clear like that on our true north, on the things that we really want, it just becomes, it, things happen a lot faster. Yes, absolutely. And I think that 
I mean, everything is part of a whole, really. I mean, both your personal life and your business need to be nurturing to you. You, you know, I, I mean, we should always be going towards wholeness. And I think that's going to be different for everyone. But that's why we really have to do the work to see, you know, what is that for me? But for me, that that envious exercise was really telling. And it was it was a really beautiful way to say, listen, this isn't bad that you envy this person. This is actually just saying these are the things in life that you want. Yeah. And, that's okay. and so I thought that was really neat. Running a floral business isn't always as pretty as the flowers themselves. I spent more than $100,000 educating myself and figuring out how to make this business work for me and fully support my family of five. If you're wanting to know how to not only run a profitable business, but also hear all my firsthand experiences of navigating how to deal with difficult brides, make automated systems, create proposals, set boundaries in your work, and book every bride you want, you need to check out Business Behind the Blooms. Go to ZimmermanPodcast.com slash BBB to get more information. That's ZimmermanPodcast.com slash BBB. Let's say someone listening has a business they think would be useful to a big-time educator or influencer. What did you do to connect with the bigger name people you wanted to work with? I know you kind of told us about Marie. You just followed her and you got that opportunity. But how do you connect genuinely and not be, you know, slimy and gross? Like what, you know, what do you, what do you do? Oh, I love that. It's such a good question. And it, and I think that we are so, we're at least my personality. And I think a lot of the people that I connect with, we're scared of being slimy. Like we're like, that's our nightmare. Like that someone sees us as like salesy or slimy. We will avoid that at all costs, you know? And so sometimes we do sit back a little bit too much where I think that that can be solved usually by creating yourself almost like a little formula. And I have like a little formula of a little email template that I use to reach out and connect with people. And that almost I've been I've been really evaluating this email template lately. And it's really for me shows the way that I like to speak to humans, because I think that we have to see someone else first, we have to acknowledge them and hear them and let them know like, hey, this isn't just all about me, right? Like this is about you and I hear you and I see what you're doing and I empathize with it. I understand it. And often if it's someone that you really want to connect with, it's, I applaud it. So I, I think that there's a way to first see people and that's like the first step you have to do. Um, So that can sh- show up in so many different ways, right? In an email, like it's like first acknowledging like, hey, I saw you and doing your TED talk and this one sentence really struck a chord with me and I will never forget it. I actually applied it with my daughter and it made such a difference in my life. You know, like something like that, I think that you have to have that experience with these people, these companies as humans, like so that they feel and they know that this isn't just about you. And I think 
that you do that in conversations too, or if you're going up and trying to connect with someone at a conference and you want to meet with them, you know, seeing people, affirming them, hearing them is always the first step. Otherwise, someone tends to have their guard up, right? Someone's going to have their guard up. Someone's going to have their their filter on that's like, ah, people are just out to, to help themselves. So I think you have to put yourself in that position first. And in order to do that, you have to have watched their TED Talk. You had to have researched them. You, you need to get to know them. So you have to spend a little bit of time truly stepping into their world, you know, and understanding what they're doing. So I would say that's the first thing that you can do anytime that you want to connect or um, try to work with somebody or gain a really big client. You know, the first thing is to affirm, hear, see, and let them know that and make it really personal. And then you want to like try to understand and empathize what they need. Like what are things that they need that they're working on, that they're craving, that are important to them out in the world? And again, that's going to take a little bit of research, but probably not a lot. If you go out there and you look at people Um, especially really good businesses, they're very clear about what their mission is and what they're trying to do and they're trying to achieve. So if you can come and you can support that in some way, and and the first step may literally be saying, hey, I want to support this mission and cause by sharing your work with people, you know, like that may be your first offer of goodwill. But you could also say, hey, I want to share and support your cause by having you come on my podcast and spread your message out to my listeners. Hey, I want to share and support your cause and your mission by giving you a couple free pieces of advice, you know, like, or helping you in these kinds of ways. So I think that that it's empathizing and understanding what's important to them, what do they really need and want and starting in those places. And then you can go a little bit further. If, if at that point, the reception is warm and there's an intrigue, I think that's where you develop a relationship. I think these are, you know, especially if you're working with very, very high-end clients, it's very, relationship oriented. So then you continue to build a relationship, make sure there's a chemistry and connection. That's really important. I think sometimes we just think if we work with these amazing, huge clients, then it's going to be awesome where it's like, no, your job is to know 10, go for 10 of those amazing, awesome clients, because you may only have great chemistry with two or three. And those two or three are going to be like the real deal. Like those are the people that you're going to have at your wedding or your, your kid's fifth birthday. Like those, those are the kind of clients you want to end up working with, allow the other seven or eight to kind of go different ways, but make sure you maybe pick, you know, instead of one or two, pick maybe 10 that you really want to connect with and learn about and see if you have that chemistry. And then you just over deliver in that relationship, right? So that you can continue to have, uh, you know, a long-term relationship with them. Like for me, when I talk about my one-on-one clients and I only take on a very few one-on-one clients now because I do a lot more work with my masterminds and uh, bringing people on that are just starting businesses. So when I'm working with my higher end clients that are more in that seven figure area, I only take a handful of them on because I stay with them for a really long time. Like we become connected as like friends and family. And then we continue to work together for years and years and years, which is so fun because I get to watch their business go from literally zero, like starting to seven figures, you know, and you're asking like, who are some of those people that I've worked with? So one of my favorite friends is uh, Kelly Levesque, and she is a nutritionist for Jessica Alba and Jennifer Gardner. And 
being able to see her business go from like 6,000 Instagram followers to like 300 plus, you know, for her to get all these book deals and, and to gain all these clients and to watch her go through these highs and lows and experiences has been so meaningful. That's where you have meaningful clients, right? So I think working with people with the idea that this is for the long haul, this is for a family friend, this is a long-term relationship so that you can be with them at 5,000 Instagram followers. And then when they show up on Good Morning America, like those are the most meaningful clients you can end up with, you know? Oh, that's so good. And you are clearly so good at your job and and you, you're you doing it for the right reasons. You know, I worked with someone once who, you know, as long as I was staying small, and she was doing better than I was, then she was great to me. And then the second that I kind of started excelling and doing really well kind of on my own, man, this person was unrecognizable to me. And I've never actually spoken about that publicly ever. There's no good that can come out of that. But just hearing how you have treated clients who have gone on and grown, because first of all, isn't that the point? of building someone is you want them to do well and you want them to excel. And so I just love that you, you know, treat your clients so well, because I I know what that's like to not be treated so well. So yeah, and I'm, I'm actually glad you shared that, because I think that it's important for people to know that it can happen. Like, people can be, you know, have so many things going on in their own personal life and their own personal business and struggles that they just may not show up as their best, you know, and it sounds like maybe you worked with someone that just for whatever reason, wasn't able to show up as their best at that time, you know, and it's okay to, to allow that person the space to go and do their own thing and evolve and hopefully get to a better place. But, but you don't want to be around that, you know, like you do have to take a step back and find the people that are your champions that are like, dude, I am here for you 24 seven, because I am in a really good place to do that. And I feel really healthy. And your success is a direct reflection on me, like how well you do is a direct reflection on how well I have supported you to get there, you know, so I'm glad you do share that there are different experiences out there. Yeah. And I think what you said is absolutely right. And that's how I do view it is that it really didn't have anything to do with me. You know what I mean? There was something else had to have been that was going on in this person's life that would cause them to have this kind of reaction. Right. And I think anytime you're in a situation of scarcity, it can make you do, you know, things that you wouldn't normally do. But that was one of the reasons why I chose to really look and come from a place of abundance, no matter what, you know, I'm so glad that this situation happened because it showed me so much of the kind of person that I want to be because I know the kind of person I don't want to be. But also, you know, this was a situation where lies were told about me. I I can't believe I'm talking about this. I've never, (laughs) never shared this, but I could have at the time you know, my following was nothing, you know, compared to this person. And I really could have just gone, okay, well, she's right. And I don't need to do anything else. And I need to just be quiet and, you know, all of that. But I decided, even though, you know, lies were being told about me, and there are people to, to this day who believe them, who still, you know, this is years ago, who believe that what this person said was true. And I just said, you know, I, there's nothing I can do about that. I cannot control what was said about me, and I can't control how people are going to take that. If they're going to believe it or if they're not going to believe it, I can't. There's nothing I can do about it, but I'm not going to let that stop me from doing what I believe I can do. And it was very hard. And I woke up every day for about seven months crying. 
I'm not that person at all. But this was a a situation of feeling abandoned almost, you know, just like it's like someone says to you, they get close to you because, you know, you get close to your clients that you work with. And it's like someone saying to you all of a sudden, you burned down my house. And you're like, I, I didn't burn down your house. And they're like, no, you burned down my house. And now I'm going to go tell all these other people that you burned down my house. And you're like, wait a minute, I don't even own matches. Like, I don't, I don't, what are you talking? <laughs> like, that's how ludicrous it was. You know what I mean? Every day I would wake up and I would think about that, but then I would have to go, okay, no, like I can choose to, to wallow in that, or I can keep moving forward because the truth will always rise in the end. It may take years, but the truth will always rise. So, oh man. And what, I mean, what a testament I think to when your success probably, because that only happens when someone else is really successful and you kind of know you've made it when other people start like chinking away at you and trying to take you down just a little bit, even if it's not like what they intended to do. And then all of a sudden they get themselves so worked up or caught up in something. It's just like a snowball. And then they're like off to the races and you're like, hold on, I'm all the way back here. Like I actually was just chilling the champagne so we could celebrate together and right. you're like oh no like what happened and then it goes so far and I think then other people tend to get caught up and it's a snowball and they they you know they're venting and looking for connection you know and then they start talking about it to people around them and and abundance and scarcity is so hard and so difficult to deal with it's scary people get scared for their own livelihoods people get scared about the way that they're going to be viewed and what people think about them and um we create these these internal dialogues based out of fear and then all of a sudden we have a different reality it's like we can wake up one day and have a completely different reality. And what I love that you said there is so that we we do have the ability to choose the way we want to see things. We have the ability to make a conscious choice of the way that we are going to you know, show up and intentionally operate, you know, when we get in a reactive state, when someone acts really negative towards us or does something that we don't agree with and we react to it, that's when we are not our best, you know, and everything you're saying is, you know, like there was probably the trigger and the desire to be very reactive and for you to be able to take a step back and say, okay, this is what I believe. I do believe truth will rise to the top. Like I believe that in my core, like I do believe in a abundance, even though it's hard right now. And I do believe this probably has nothing to do with me, you know, like that, that this has to do with other people. And I'm going to choose to continue to operate that way, even though I'm hurt, even though I'm sad, even though I'm waking up crying, even though I'm scared myself, you know, like for you to be able to continue to operate that way, I think is, is a true testament of your maturity and your experience and, and really kind of who you are like deep down, you know? Mm, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. So tell me, once you made those connections, what was it about the content you were already putting out that confirmed you'd be a good person to work with? Well, I think that for me, honestly, a lot of the people that I work with are a little bit more personality based. I definitely have the business experience and, you know, I can, I can run down a a professional bio, you know, with my eyes closed. But at the end of the day, I think that when you are dealing with a business that you really want to see, like, 
the needle move, right? You really want to see some momentum. You really want to see some more dollars coming in, right? Like you want to invest some money to like actually move the needle this year, then that's when you really need to trust someone. And something about my brand and the stuff that I have been putting out in the last few years specifically has taken a bit more of a turn to be a little bit more open and honest and transparent. And I never realized how much transparency was like a big value of mine until I started doing a lot of my own personal work in the very early years of my marriage. And what I recognized was transparency was like a true, like that was, that meant trust to me, like transparency literally equaled trust. Like the more transparent someone was with me, uh, the more I loved and trusted them, you know? So it's like when someone would come up to me and be like, yeah, I haven't showered in three days, you know, like I would be like, oh, you're my friend. Like, right. I like you because you're <laughs> telling you that. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, like th- there is something about transparency that really attracted me to people. And I noticed when I was more transparent, I was more attracted to myself. Like, I was more confident, you know, like I was like, this is who I am. And it's terrifying to put this out in the world, especially when like I have a podcast, right? And I have all these other platforms that that have this audience. Like it's very scary for me to put an email out to these tens of thousands of people on my list, you know, that is like, hey, like, like today I just literally sent an email talking about how I killed my daughter's caterpillars and how I felt like the worst mom in the world. <laughs> like, let me tell you what I did and let me tell you how I made my toddler cry and explaining all these these highs and lows I'm going through to, right now and um, how that's showing up in my business and how I'm, I'm handling that and managing that. But it's a very open, vulnerable part of my business that as soon as I started doing it a couple years ago, what was really interesting and that there was, I didn't intend for this to happen, but what was really interesting and everybody will tell you it will happen is I instantly started getting more clients, more interest, more followers. People instantly started to come and connect with me. And when they started to come and connect with me and try to like join one of my masterminds, I would love them. Like they were my people. Like all of a sudden they were jumping in. And what I realized was the more honest I was, the more transparent I was, although it was scary, the more people either loved me or hated me, right? Like they were either like, oh, Oh, Kelsey, you are so my person. It's like you're in my head. Like I had the exact same feeling the other day. Or they're like, Kelsey, you're great, but you are so not my person. <laughs> like this is a great podcast, but no, thank you. Like unsubscribe. And I ended up having a lot more subscribes than unsubscribes, but they always tell you, right? That's what you want to do is you want to be kind of polarizing. And that felt like very jarring to me. Like I'm not someone that wants to go out in the world and be polarizing. Like I don't like that. Like I would love for all of us to be like holding hands, singing Kumbaya, listening and affirming each other, right? Like, so this idea of being polarizing never resonated with me until I recognized it's for me, it's not being polarizing. For me, it's being incredibly honest about who I am and what I'm going through. And the second that I did that and I started putting that kind of content out in the world was the second my sales cycle started to shorten. Like people would call me and they would be like, I want to work with you. I don't care what you cost. I don't care what the contract is. Like I'm ready to go now. How quickly can we start? And I never had that kind of response before, but they had listened to so many pieces of my podcast and heard so 
many like honest, honest stories about my business and my, my personal life that they were like, I already know you, like, I already know that you're my person and I've been waiting to find my person and put my money into that. Like, let's go, let's do this. And that's when I recognized the power of the content I was putting out there and, and the power of being, being, being vulnerable and honest, at least for my audience. Now, I won't say that that is consistent across every single audience, but definitely like in my world and what I'm looking for in a client, like the more honest and transparent I can be with my business and what's going on in my household, like the more connective I am with the people that want to come and work with me. Sleeping with a Stranger is officially available everywhere books are sold in hardcover, paperback, ebook, and audiobook. Since the book's launch, I've been amazed by how it's been received. From being named a bestseller by USA Today, The Wall Street Journal, Amazon, and Barnes & Noble, to incredibly personal and touching reviews from my amazing readers, it's been such a wild journey. Here's one of my favorite reviews. I had every single emotion a human could have while reading this book. I laughed, I cried, and because of your honesty and transparency, I am able to put words to emotions and feelings I've been unable to describe for so long. Thank you for being raw, vulnerable, and allowing us to see inside of what makes you so special. You are an A+, and so is your book. I can't wait to share this story with you. To get your copy, go to jessicazimmerman.com today or wherever books are sold. And to make sure you get all my upcoming book tour updates, join the newsletter list now. Oh my gosh, listen, you are preaching to the choir right here because, I mean, with me, I... I say that I'm a professional oversharer because I don't know. I don't really. I don't know how to have cocktail conversation. I like a like a party where you're supposed to make small talk is my idea of hell. Like I, I mean, in, unless you're bearing your soul, like what's the point? I just don't. I don't. I don't get it. And you know, I, I wrote a program called The Business Behind the Blooms, and it was all about. I used to have a wedding business, and and I'd kind of figured out how to make money money doing it. And I lived in a small town and, you know, and so I just thought, well, I'm just going to write about this. And I shared everything in a really vulnerable way, which is why I believe it's been one of the most successful, you know, wedding courses out there. And I believe that's also why when I had, you know, less than 700 followers and zero people on a newsletter list, you know, I sold so many copies. It's because of the content itself. No one else was saying, oh, I did this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. Yep. And then this is what I learned and this is how I changed it and this is what worked. And then this is what failed again. And then like really wrote it not from like a, here's how you do this, but like it almost read like a business memoir. You know, it was very personal in my business journey. And I believe that prepared me for my latest venture, which is my book that was just released called Sleeping with a Stranger, which was all about, you know, sharing really vulnerably about my personal life. And Kelsey, when I say vulnerably, 
it is so raw. I mean, there's so, it's like, there are people who have actually said to me, now, did you, you did realize people were going to read this, right? Like, did you mean to share all of this? And I mean, and everyone who knows me, they will, their immediate words, I actually had someone who called me and they left a voicemail and I called them back and they said, did you read, did you listen to the voicemail? I go, no, I just called you back. They said, you, you have to listen to the voicemail first because I can't recreate it. And she had just finished it. She like closed the book and she said, you have the biggest balls of anyone I've ever met, like big, huge, hairy balls. That's what she said. She was like, I mean, I don't know anyone who would share this. And um, it just made me laugh so hard. But I, I agree with you. I just think that there's... There's nothing, I mean, and you do, it's like you said, you are going to attract people with that or you are going to repel people. Yeah. And I know I sure did. I mean, I, I, you know, and I will continue to do that. People are either going to be like, yes, this is putting words to what I'm feeling, or they're going to be like, this is so inappropriate. I can't believe she's talking about, you know, her sex life with her husband or her, you know, husband's illness that we don't need to know about or you know, whatever, or the feelings she really had when she found out she was pregnant with twins. Like why? You know what? Cause I'm not the first person to get pregnant with twins and have that thought. Okay. So that's why I share it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it's so important to, you know, be, be vulnerable about everything for sure. I love that. And I'm not, now I'm like dying to get my hands on that book. Oh my gosh. I can't wait. Goodness. Well, I'm excited. It's it's out and we're we're trying to get it out there promoted and all that good stuff. So when it comes to sharing content on different social platforms, what tips do you have for effectively communicating, you know, who you are, what you do, and what type of client is a perfect match for you? How do you balance the art and the science of content sharing? Oh, I love that question. That's a good one. So for me, I definitely need to have a simplified business. I have a complicated life and my business needs to be simplified. So when I look at my platforms, I really try to prioritize where I am putting all my energy and effort. And usually for me, that's definitely in my emails. Like I love up on my emails and my email subscribers are kind of like my inner circle and uh, my and Instagram. Instagram. Instagram is my platform where I really engage with people in the DMs. Like whenever people hear me on a podcast, they will I will tell them, come in, say hello, come DM me. Like I'm an introvert. Like if you comment on my image, I'm gonna be like, hey, what's up? Nice to meet you. It's gonna be cocktail talk, you know, like I'm not gonna love it. Like, but if you come into my DMs, we will get to know each other. Like it will be an intimate conversation. So um I really love those two places for me. I am still on the other platforms. They just tend to be secondary for me. So I would always tell people like, choose your platforms that you really want to lean into so that you can be really present and and really fully available for, for those places. Um, and for me, it's, it's email and Instagram and my Instagram stories. So once you kind of choose your platforms, then like I would really think about what you want that journey to be for your potential client, because your potential client is going to be your potential friend, right? Your potential bestie, your potential family, right? Like, what do you want their journey to look like? And often I want to bring them in and I want to connect with them on a personal level first. Like we were talking about, I want to be vulnerable. Like if they understand what it's like to be too busy 
to shower and feel guilty about that and then want to like charge it the next day, um, you know, and, and, and hit the ground running with their business. Those kinds of pain points and desires and dreams, like I want to put those out front and center so that that audience is connecting with me. I can create that kind of connection because I feel like those deeper, meaningful, relational connections are going to be the things that sustain like myself and my clients. So I put those out first. And then the second thing that I do is I always make sure that they know how to go deeper with me. So if you're just putting that content out there for them, and you're not saying now, if this is interesting to you, let's go deeper. Like let's, let's take this to the next level. Let's go second base here. Like come get in my inbox. I'm going to tell you even more stories in there. Right. Or let's uh, like come download my free business planner. Right. Like that thing is chocked full of me giving raw experiences about my, my business. And I'm giving you audios and videos, like come get that stuff from me. Let's take this to the next level. Right. So it's, it's a balance between this beautiful, meaningful story storytelling, right? And giving them this, this insight into who you are, what you believe in from a personal standpoint and from a professional standpoint, and then making it so easy for them to take the next step. Like that next step is so crucial and it has to be easy for them. And so that can be from a technical standpoint, right? It needs to be a click of a button for them to get there. Or that can be from a concept standpoint, like what's the next thing that they absolutely know that they need? Like if they're listening to a podcast from me and they're thinking about starting a business, but they're like, ah, I don't even know. I don't have a plan. Like, I don't know what my exact idea is. I'm like, oh, well, here's a little free nugget of something that's going to help solve that problem for you. So I think creating that journey for them and making it easy for them, for me, makes me feel like I'm doing some good out in the world, right? I'm making someone's life easier and simplified, but I'm also allowing them to come into my inner circle so that when I do offer a product, if it's right for them and it's going to be amazing and life-changing and impactful, it's an easy yes for them. Yes. So good. So good. I love that. Okay. So when you share content, how do you distinguish between sharing as a business and sharing just as Kelsey? Do you always have a business strategy behind each post? Mm, That's a good question. Um, I don't always have a business strategy behind each post, to be honest. I mean, I think that um, everything that I put out there is very intentional and conscious. So I'm thinking about whether it's just going to be personal or business. But I think there are a lot of times where I just want to put a personal opinion or thought out there. It's very rare that my business and my personal life are completely separate. Before I had this this adorable little three-month-old newborn, Danny, I had a miscarriage before that. And I shared about my miscarriage. Um, I did a whole podcast episode on not only what the experience was like for me, but like how you can support other people going through miscarriage. And I talked, I did a whole video on it, like on my Facebook page and, and explained in real time, kind of like a few days afterwards, like what I was going through. And what's interesting is I didn't realize that that would have a business layer to it until a few months later when I recognized what I was trying to do right in the middle of that miscarriage was start my podcast. And so when I ended up telling the story about starting my podcast, because my podcast got ranked like top 20 and and got a, a lot of traction. And I started having people like Amy Porterfield and Pat Flynn and all these folks on there that had these really huge followings. When people started to see that, they asked me, hey, how do you, how, how could I start a podcast? Is it easy? And I'm like, 
yes, I literally did it for free inside of my closet. Like, if you want to start one, I can teach you, which ended up, you know, turning into this whole podcast with soul mastermind thing, right? So I now teach people how to start their podcasts. And when I was explaining to people how I, I did it, I would always say like, it took me less than 30 days to get this thing up and running and launched. And then what I recognized was when I was doing it was in the middle of my miscarriage. And so what I started addressing then was like this feeling of feeling like, should I lean into my business? Should I lean into my personal life? And And what it was like for me going through this loss and grieving, but also wanting something that brought me joy and and how all of a sudden podcasting turned into less of a a business marketing aspect. And it turned into a little legacy I wanted to leave for my daughter, McKenna, my firstborn. I all of a sudden that became so important to me. I was like, you know what, regardless of what happens with this podcast, I want to create these little sound bites that McKenna can listen to when she she's, you know, 20, 30 years old and look back and be like, oh, look, that's what mom was like when she was this age. That's what mom was going through. And so it became so much more meaningful and powerful to me, which is why I always have people like think about what that that is for you. Like what is at the end of the day, why is this so meaningful to you? And so when I think about the content I put out there, it's usually business and life combined. And just by happenstance, because everything in my life that I'm doing, you know, everything that I'm doing for my business is usually based on the lifestyle that I want to create. So I'm trying to think of like, even today when I sent out, you know, I mentioned I sent out an email that was all about killing my daughter's caterpillars. And uh, it was how like I I, I killed her caterpillars. And, and I all of a sudden was like jumpy with these like squishy disgusting things rolling around. And I thought they were going to be so cool. (laughs) What like an amazing experiment. And then I tried to like transfer them into this big netted thing for the butterfly farm. And I just dropped them all and she's hysterical and I'm hysterical. And I'm like, this, this was a, this was a miss. (laughs) Like this was a fail, Kelsey. And I put these little broken cocoons in there. And I tell you what, son of a gun, 10 days later, those things turned into dang butterflies and the excitement and the awesomeness of them turning into butterflies was like, it it drove us crazy. We were like, this is the coolest thing in the whole world. And in that moment, I realized, dang, that is so like my business. You you try and you try and there are tears and you drop the cocoons and you think something's not going to work. But if you keep with it and you, you wait the extra 10 days or you stick with it because you did do it for a reason, you did it because you knew this was going to be important. There was something really rooted in you that wanted to see this through. You may end up with butterflies. You may end up with a business you love. You may end up with clients that are are incredible and this financially successful thing that you own independently. For me, it was like, don't give up. Like that was my message. It was like, do not give up. There will be highs and lows, but man, like you may end up with butterflies at the very end. And, and so it's, it's almost impossible for me to separate them because they feel so clearly tied together. You know, the, the life cycle of business and the life cycle of, of what you're creating in your life. Like they're just, it's impossible for me to separate them, you know? Mm-hmm, totally. Yeah, I, I absolutely know. I totally get it. So what role does social media play in your business model? Like, is it your primary place for selling? Does it act as a way for you to provide value so you can encourage people to buy from you? Does it act as social proof? What heavy lifting is your social media doing for your business? 
Mm, yeah, that's a good question. I feel like it, you are full of good questions today. I'm loving this. Um, oh, thanks. <laughs> <appreciate it. laughs> um, so my real heavy lifting is usually done within my email list, or it's done in the content I am creating on my website and allowing that to build SEO so people can find me. I would say Instagram for me definitely does some lifting. It does. It doesn't do, I think, as much heavy lifting as people assume. And I think that's just because for me, I, I see the power of putting my podcast out into the world. For me, when I get featured featured in Forbes or I get featured in Business Insider, like that has a lot more heavy lifting as long as it can get people onto my site or onto my email list. Instagram is becoming more of a player for me because of my because of Instagram stories. Those tend to be a little bit more connective. And and for me, a platform that's going to work and be like a heavy hitter is going to be something that allows for the perfect blend of like personal and professional, like the perfect blend of like, hey, if you go on my Instagram stories, even today, you'll see like 10 videos of me and my daughter going and, you know, going for a walk this morning um, to get coffees and then sitting on our porch and she's eating a croissant and then she's painting. And so there are these, these aspects of my personal life that I'm sharing that allow people, like I was saying, to feel that, that connection and to know whether they like me or not, you know, people are going to be like, uh, you know, Kelsey, like, who are you trying to be, you know, getting coffee and having croissants and painting with your daughter? That sounds like very picture perfect. But if you watch the videos, you will maybe hear me drop an F-bomb every now and then, like, you'll see me drop my phone. Like you'll see that I haven't showered, that my daughter's still in her pajamas, you know? So there's like an honesty about it. I think that people appreciate. Um, And then allowing that DM factor for me allows me to then create a a step deeper for people. And that's the only way social media for me works is if it's a personal place and then also allows people to go deeper. And some places on social media don't actually work that way. Like it's very hard to get a click through. It's very hard for someone to go from the mindset of um, I'm watching you personally to I want to switch over to how can you help me professionally, right? So I'm always watching different platforms, you know, as the algorithm changes, as the needs and wants on Instagram change, like you'll see all of a sudden people are doing more curated, beautiful photos on Instagram. And then there's a wave and a trend that goes very much to organic photos. So as you watch that, I think that you just have to see what is working for you and your business and kind of your business personality. And considering the fact that mine is a little bit more honest and vulnerable and transparent, that's why Instagram stories works best for me because once they see that, if then the next few frames, I can have like a click through to my podcast or an easy click through to my site as to something that's intriguing to them, um, that allows them to either DM me or to go uh, to have a click through that's pretty high converting. So those play a role for me. I don't think Facebook and Twitter play as heavy as a role for me in in those converting numbers, you know? Mm, yeah, totally. Oh, 
I just love you. You just have such a healthy outlook on everything, which I think is, it's just really great. Okay. So here's the final question for this episode. You guys, if y'all are loving Kelsey as much as I am, we are going to be recording a second episode that we will air later, but let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Okay. This is the question I ask everyone at the end of the episode. If you had Oprah's money, so billions of dollars, and you had to spend it on yourself, something totally selfish, what would you buy? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. The things, the things. I know. <laughs> oh, it's so hard to say that. I, I love that you give that twist of like, spend it on yourself. Because, you got to spend it on yourself. Right. Because instantly your brain is like, well, I'm going to buy vacation homes for my family and myself. And then I'm going to fly everyone out to, you know, Australia. Um, Gosh. Yeah. And even when I you say myself, I'm thinking like, oh, I'm going to do this amazing epic trip and bring all my friends on it and pay for all my friends. Um, let's see if I had to do something just for myself, I would probably still do something where I was traveling. Um, I would probably go away to a very secluded place. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking about this place in Canada um, called Tofino. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's like, yeah. it's, pre you know, it's prehistoric and magical. And um, I would probably go out there, I would fly like on a private jet um, with with champagne and uh, what I'm, kind of champagne? Oh my gosh. Um, well, I'd like to go fancy, but I'm a real big fan of Schramsberg. Um, oh, I love Schramsberg. Yes. Uh, it has a special place in my heart. It's uh, my husband and I, that's, that's kind of our, our champagne for celebrating. So I would probably sip on that. Um, cause it's have like, been, have you been to Sh Schramsberg? Oh my gosh, we have. And you know, that giant hill that you drive yes. up to go to yes. it. You drive up to get there. Yeah. Oh. So my husband and I on our very first wine trip, like I'm total sidebarring here, but our very, very, very first time we went away for the weekend in Calistoga, we were going to go go biking, right? Because that's what you do when you're up there. Like you bike around to these different wineries. And the first place they told us to go was that champagne place. And that, and they were like, just go ahead and bike it. And we were like, okay, great. And we get there and we start now. I, I'm just, everyone who's listening to this, you have to Google it and, and go look at that hill now because it's bananas. Like you like it's not playing around no uh -uh. and we were literally that's what makes it so beautiful though <laughs> it's so it's up high it's there yes. I mean it's, it's gorgeous but yeah I can't imagine biking it no it's gorgeous and it's very fancy pants and we got you know like a quarter of the way up and we were drenched in sweat watching all these limos pass us by just being like this this was a terrible mistake and so we we end up getting to the very top and we're so disgusting and we walk in and they're like um do you have an appointment and we just looked at them and we were like you have to have an appointment <laughs> and they were just like what they're, they like looked at us like what's wrong with you and we we're like we just biked up that hill and they were like oh tell me they gave you oh, something they felt so bad for us they were like I don't know who made you do that but please come in like what do you want like they were so lovely and to this day we were like oh my gosh like I don't know how we got ourselves in that situation but because of that now we love that champagne and when we got engaged and when we you know 
had our first kid, like we always celebrate with that champagne. So um, you're going to see me on a private jet um, with some like sentimental, but also delicious, like sparkling wine, um, sipping on that. And then um, and then I would probably go somewhere very fancy pants and luxurious. But honestly, I would go there to just like quiet my mind. And so I could be with myself and um, work on the inner dwelling. Yes. And dream and understand how I want to be and show up in the world. And I think then I would come back and that would probably benefit my husband and my kids and my family that I love so much the most, um, while also being like maybe the most epic trip I could ever have. Oh, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, that's such a good answer. I love it. I love it. Okay. And now after hearing your answer, you, you've got to go read Sleeping with a Stranger. You've got to go yeah, oh. you gotta do it. It's all about figuring that stuff out of being like, oh, I gotta, I gotta take care of me and everything. Anyway, there's so much in it, but um, you gotta do it. I loved your answer. That's so good. Oh, I love it. I, you know what? It's so funny when you when you ask those kinds of questions and you make someone think about what they would do just for themselves. It's amazing how hard it is, especially for us women, to go there. It's like our brain literally won't go there. Like it's like I'm gonna do this but for everybody else, or I'm going to do this first for everybody else. And then I'll do this for me. And it's, uh, you're like, uh, uh-uh. uh, like what? You? Even at the end there, you said, I feel like if I do that, I'll be better for, yeah. this, and for, this, and for this. Yeah. I mean, we just can't help it. We just can't help it. But here's what I think it does. The reason why I like to ask this question isn't because I want to know like what people are going to spend their money on. I think what it does is it ultimately shows what your true motivation is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, like if it's um at which yours is clearly impact. And so by taking care of yourself, you're gonna be able to, you know, impact others better. You know, mine is time. That's my biggest motivation. It's interesting to hear people's answers because it really shows you what they're motivated by, which I think I like. Because if you just ask people that, oftentimes they don't know. Totally. Okay, Kelsey, this has been amazing. And you are gonna be back so soon. Um, for another episode. So you guys have got to check back because she's going to have so much good wisdom because we're going to be talking about how to leave your your corporate job and or turning your side hustle into like a full-time gig, which you've got actual like concrete lessons for us steps, which is really good. We're not just going to like hypothetically talk. We're going to get some lessons. So that'll be good. Okay. Thank you, Kelsey. We will talk to you soon. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I feel like Kelsey was a long lost friend I finally got to connect with. I had so many incredible takeaways from today's episode and I hope you did too. If you had an aha moment while listening, would you share about it? Tell your followers what you learned and make sure to tag me. I'd love to see it. Your shares, feedback, subscriptions, and reviews make this podcast possible and I love hearing from you. And guess what? This isn't the last time you'll hear from Kelsey Murphy. She'll be back on the podcast soon, so make sure you keep your eyes open for her next visit. I'll see you next week right back here on Zimmerman Podcast. If you loved what you heard today, even if you liked it a lot, you should subscribe and leave a review. We'll see you back here next time in the Zimmerman Podcast.